0: They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today.
1: A long time ago, when all the grandfathers and grandmothers of today were little boys and little girls. This is what bedtime sounds like at our house. and Ma and Mary, hi baby, and Laura and baby Carrie left their little house in the big woods of Wisconsin. They drove away and left it lonely and empty in the clearing among the big trees, and they never saw that little house again. Four children pile up into a giant bed, and we read.
2: We made it really far under the
1: house. Pa, pa, pa liked, to be, he liked to be... Or we try to read. To Just recently, we started reading Little House in the Prairie. It's the third book in the Little House series. And it starts with the family moving out west. In the long winter evenings, he talked to Ma, about the western country. In the west, the land was level, and there were no trees. The grass grew thick and high, and there were no settlers, only Indians lived there. One day, in the very last of the winter, Pa said to Ma, Seeing you don't object, I've decided to go see the west. It was almost eerie as we started reading this book because, as you now know, Kay and I announced in the last episode of Homesteading that we're planning to do the same thing. Pack the kids up and head out west. Now we left you with a little bit of a cliffhanger in the last episode. We didn't tell you why we were doing this, why were we going on this trip. A lot of people thought we were giving up, we were done homesteading for good. What we didn't tell you was, much like the Ingalls family, we are looking for greener pastures. We're not done homesteading. In fact, you might call this our second act. But we'll get to that a little later in today's episode. I've had an offer for this place. We can sell it now for as much as we're ever likely to get. Oh man,
3: that's so funny,
1: that's It's totally what exactly, <laughs> yeah. Enough to give us a start in a new country. That we're doing. Oh, Charles, must we go now? Ma said. The weather was so cold and the snug house was so comfortable. I
3: know, Ma, I know.
1: Right? Good night, Good, oh, that's That was the last of the can Little House.
3: Pizza,
1: it's time for bedtime. Everybody get ready, ready, come on. It's time for bedtime. And here, as we were sitting with our kids reading Little House on the Prairie, I saw them making the same decision. They had a well established homestead, everything was going great. And one day, Pa says to Ma, You know what? I think it's time that we have a change. In the last episode of Homesteady, we had that similar conversation with you, the listener. We said, hey guys, we think it's time for a change. Some of you were really excited by this announcement. Others were sad or even angry. I fault myself because we left it open-ended. We left you with a cliffhanger, and this was far too important of a topic to do that. Learned my lesson, hopefully apology accepted. So in today's episode, we're going to set the record straight. We're not done homesteading. The future of homesteading is exciting. I think it's going to be better than it's ever been. But before we get into that, we're going to talk about why homesteaders like myself and the Ingalls family, and apparently like a lot of families, which you'll see in a second, have that desire to hit the road. That's what you have to look forward to in this episode of Homesteading. I'm Aust, and I'm still Homesteady. Let's get the show started. The world that we live in can be a crazy place, but you and me, we can each make it a little better. We can lead a more sustainable life. We can learn to be self-sufficient. And most importantly, we can do this together. So cozy up. It's time for another episode of Homesteady. As soon as last month's episode went live, the comments started streaming in, some positive and some negative. One comment that kept popping up went like this, just like Justin Rhodes and Dirt Patch Heaven, now you guys, doesn't anybody want to keep farming? We didn't realize it when we released the episode, but we found out very quickly afterward that Justin Rhodes and Dirt Patch Heaven, two popular homesteading YouTube channels, had also just announced that they were going on a cross-country road trip. Instead of ignoring this question, we figured we would attack it head on. Find out why are we, Justin Rhodes and Dirt Patch Heaven, all packing up and leaving the homestead? Are we all quitters? Have we given up on this farm dream? Let's get into that question.
4: I couldn't just grow my own food. I had to teach others how to do that, make, it, make make a career out of it.
1: This is Justin Rhodes from the popular YouTube channel. Justin and his wife share their family's homestead adventures on their channel. And just a few months ago, they announced that they were going to go on a cross-country trip, leave the homestead, and uh, go on an adventure, just like our family. You see, Justin doesn't do anything small scale. I'm the kind of guy that gets, when
4: I get into something, uh, I was formerly a a pro mountain boarder. I wasn't just
1: a mountain boarder. I couldn't just ride and have fun. I had to be pro, so same thing. Justin used to be a pro mountain boarder. And if you don't know what that is, you can Google Justin Rhodes and mountain boarding. And you can see a video that he made where you'll watch a bunch of guys doing some pretty incredible feats on what looks like a giant skateboard. The underlying quality that's in everyone that mountain boards is... Everybody's a little bit crazy. I built this park so athletes from all over the world can push themselves to the next level. Justin and Rebecca used to travel the United States together, helping to produce the mountain boarding national tour.
4: We had events all across America for a, a, a professional tour. And then I produced movies that might not surprise anybody. I would produce nine movies a year just about on mount boarding, just action movies So we would travel
1: around. Justin and Rebecca have always traveled together, sharing their passions. And so it should come as no surprise to their YouTube followers that that's what they're doing now, sharing their love of homesteading as they travel cross country. On the other side of the spectrum, we have Julianne and John of the Dirt Patch Heaven channel, also a homesteading YouTube channel, who announced recently that they were going to be headed cross-country, sharing, you guessed it, their love of homesteading. I guess we met at uh, at church actually, and um... what what was it that you two saw in each other that uh, you knew you'd, you'd work as a couple?
2: Uh,
1: she was hot. That was another, <laughs> the only thing that Unlike our pro-mountain boarder, Julianne and John's life was a little bit more what you might call suburban. I was working, she was going to school.
3: I was 25, John was 26 when we met, and,
1: um... I was a
2: courier at FedEx. Okay. Um, So I paid the bills, it was, you know, very stable.
1: A courier at FedEx. It was a very stressful job.
2: Imagine all the stress of the world put right on your shoulders um
3: paychecks yeah. where's my paycheck where's,
2: so paychecks medical equipment um
3: where's my breast implant? a
2: lot of <laughs> yeah that happened later so
1: cool. if you're a married couple and you're going to homestead you need to be a good team and john knew right away that they would make a great one
2: we both had a mutual sense of humor That you know it, when you find that something that's that obscure and that it's it's like you were soulmates pretty much from the get-go.
1: John's moment of clarity came during a big argument that they had.
2: In the heat of an argument, she she prefers to go out and shovel a driveway to work off frustration rather than, you know, ask to be taken home or to go home or anything. So, um, that was one of those... Hmm, if, if somebody's willing to stick it out, then they were probably... You know probably somebody that would stick with it when things got really rough
1: for all you eligible bachelors out there if you find a woman that while you're arguing decides to go outside and shovel the driveway clean of snow yeah she's the one <laughs> homesteading was a pretty natural progression for both couples as they each had family members who had been homesteaders themselves. Grandfather
4: bought the land that I am on that is our family property now, way back in the day, 1932. That's awesome. So I'm fortunate in that sense, but I have many siblings, so I've inherited a little piece here, probably about, uh, about six acres. Grandpa, of course, back in the 1930s, if you didn't grow food, you didn't eat. So everybody homesteaded. Justin's
1: parents didn't homestead themselves, they got away from the farm life. But it was in his blood. I've
4: been here all my life because I loved it. I loved it, but I have not always been growing food. I mean, of course, back in the 1930s, if you didn't grow food, you didn't eat. And But then as, I guess you can say, the economy got better, I don't know, the, uh, there was more opportunities. My dad, it became where you could buy food in the store for cheaper and it was actually available in the store and it made more sense for you to go out and be about a business. And so that's what my dad did. So I I didn't really grow up with it. And my dad was just a traditional businessman. But
1: Julianne did grow up on a farm.
3: It was more of what you'd call like a gentleman's farm. My dad there were seven of us kids. We were homeschooled. It was really nice to have chores to keep us busy. And the main reason they started farming was because of my health. I had allergies that they couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. I couldn't eat store-bought food. Um, It turned out that goat's milk was medicine for me. And so they went from having rented all their lives to this farm because of health issues. And it was a matter that we could raise our food in a way that we stayed really, really healthy.
1: Julianne saw firsthand the impact that homesteading could have on a family, the good side the health that everyone enjoyed. Raising a family with seven kids on an organic diet can be tough, but her family was able to do it because they did it themselves. She also was able to see some of the downsides of having a large family and a farm.
3: Problem came down to the fact that my parents were working so hard to make things work that then there wasn't a lot of time for other things, to be a family, to go on vacation, and so I think when they left the farm they had some regrets. They had some regrets of how much money they put into the farm and I think they regretted that with us older kids they hadn't spent more time with us, that, they, that some of that money that went into the farm didn't go towards things like vacations. We all learned so much from it and it was a fantastic, beautiful, amazing farm and it made me really sad when they sold it because I knew how much they put into it. But it was such an expensive farm to keep going. None of us had an income that would be able to, to come in and keep it going.
1: Julianne's family farm was sold. She never did get the chance to farm it with her own family. But that didn't keep her from starting a homestead.
3: We got pregnant really early in our marriage, like six weeks in, we were pregnant. And it kind of startled us, but I was still in school, and so he worked, and I went to school, and my senior thesis for my bachelor's degree was about um, food miles and about the cost of our food, where it comes from, and how expensive it is for us as a people to have our food driven to us everywhere. We had a couple really cold winters where I got stranded up in the mountains, and I started thinking about, you know, what if... What if there was a time when the roads were closed and we didn't have any big trucks coming through? Um, You know, I have a dehydrator, I have a a canner, and I have a backyard. What can I... Okay, so government never fixes anything. What can I do to fix the situation that I'm frustrated about for my family and also for my country? We had farmed when I was a kid, and so all those skills that I had from watching my mom... uh, There were seven kids in my family, and... Um, The way that my parents made ends meet was by farming. And so when I saw that our budget was somewhat limited, I turned to farming.
1: It seems like this is a common thread for a lot of homesteading families. They want to give their kids the best, but they can't afford to just starting off their life. And so they decide to save a little money they'll do it themselves.
4: When my wife and I got concerned with uh, more and more with our own health, we began to eat better and better, and that began with a transition into organics and then eventually paleo, which is meat, and veggies, and uh, nuts, and just a lot of whole foods. But that ends up being the more expensive stuff if you're having to buy it in the store, especially if you're buying whole foods and organic. Uh, So being the cheap wad that I was at the time, I had to find a better way, and that was my entry into growing your own food. I'll be honest, it was the first a, i got to save some money. If you, if, on your table is meat and vegetables. That's very expensive if you're eating that organic and you're buying it from the store. But guess what? It's also the easiest stuff that you can grow yourself. And I can grow a rotisserie chicken in 51 days. And along during about that same amount of time, I can grow a salad to go with it. Uh, go a little longer. You can put some tomatoes and peppers on that salad. Ah, uh, you could grow some uh, something to cook, like uh, broccoli or collards or whatever. It's hard to grow mac and cheese.
3: It became part of our relationship in that we really became preppers, and and it was actually part of our romance and part of our relationship that we were so proud of ourselves for how well we had taken care of our family when we had absolutely no money. I put in garden everywhere. Um, We had uh, secret milk goats in the backyard.
1: Secret? Secret. We
3: weren't supposed to have goats.
1: Nice. Secret goats. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Secret goats. Yeah, sure. We're on to you guys.
3: The way that the, the city covenants were written was that you could have as many livestock as you wanted as long as they were under 50 pounds. I found some that were really quiet and we brought them in. We had found that our health was a lot better when we were growing our own food.
2: And then we uh, decided that we needed to take it to the next level. And so that Here's little. Okay. we? Okay. I was, I was not completely willing to have coats inside of a city. Okay, if we're going to commit to this lifestyle and be homesteaders, then this is not compatible with this suburban life that, that our neighbors all have. So we were automatically becoming the
1: pariahs. Homesteading and suburban life, they can work, but the deeper you want to get into a homesteading lifestyle, the harder it is to not be the neighborhood pariah. Secret goats can only work for so long. And so John and Julianne decided to double down, find a new farm, and start really growing their homestead. And they did. But as we all know, just buying a new property doesn't make the problems go away. All new homesteaders learn quickly As soon as you get rid of one problem, a new one will take its place. It was barren wasteland, actually.
3: There was a wood stove in the basement of the house, which we were super excited about. It was very inefficient. It went through 10 cord of wood and we had all of our root cellar vegetables sprouted because it was so warm downstairs.
1: The downstairs warmth sprouted the vegetables. Rookie move. And like all new homesteaders, Justin had some rookie moves of his own. I started off with four chickens
4: and somebody had given those to us and we had some stalls downstairs. We put those birds in there and two of them flew out that night. I was showing them off to a neighbor. I didn't know anything about chickens. I didn't know they they could fly up four or five feet uh, and then get out and let alone, I didn't know how to catch a,
1: a disoriented chicken either at that time. sprouted root vegetables, lost chickens. These are all mistakes that we make as we try to fumble our way into living like our grandparents did. And it's okay. Every year you homestead, you're going to make mistakes. We've never had a year where something didn't die or a harvest get ruined. It's part of the learning experience.
4: Somehow we didn't give up and we're like, okay, let's get some more. And we got chicks and went from there. And I, I like that's why I push chickens. Not only because I've been doing it the longest, but it, it may sound weird that I'm saying this because I killed them within two weeks or they died within two weeks. They are actually the easiest, <laughs> and certainly much more easy to replace on the farm than say a cabbage. It's so hard to grow a cabbage, and it takes forty-five days. here. you can get some chicks, and and yeah, I got I those those chickens got got but seriously if you really wanted chickens back on the land on your land growing you could just you could buy them off Craigslist I mean maybe that sounds cold but that's the reality and I've, I've done vegetables and, and animals and I'm finding chick- the dual purpose chicken is just a beast and it's hard to beat for uh, the ease of management and satisfaction
1: Slowly but surely, both of these families' homesteads were growing, and a natural progression was happening. They were both starting to ask themselves, how could I do this, this thing that I love so much, for a living? How could I make it my job? Justin had already experienced life living his passion, and he wanted it again.
4: I was making money with growing my own food by growing more than I needed and so we were going down the traditional market. Uh, my, uh, organic market path I guess we were selling grass fed beef we were selling everything we got, we had a CSA for our garden but then I got Lyme disease
1: Lyme disease its side effects can range from anything from flu like symptoms uh, to feeling like you have arthritis it can happen to young people
4: Lyme crippled me destroyed me uh, depression tired uh, having to sleep 10 hours a day take a nap um in in and out of motivation it's achy a lot of pain in my feet i can't stand very long it feels like i've been standing for 14 hours when i got out of the bed those type those types of physical pains i could never really pick it back up yeah. without pain and i had been running for 15 years or been athletic for 15 years
1: Justin made a living doing extreme sports. This was an athletic guy. And now he's laying around on the couch 10 hours a day. How is he going to be able to farm? How is he going to be able to make an income selling farm-fresh goods? He couldn't. And so he had to figure out how he could still enjoy this life of homesteading and be a part of it while suffering from this disease. And that brought him to YouTube. But like most things in life, it was a bit of a winded road to get there.
4: I had to create my own business that was flexible, that I could take a nap, that I could make a living working 10, 20 hours a week. I also had to find a better way to farm. When I discovered permaculture, I realized that, hey, I didn't just have to farm my chickens, and I didn't have to farm my gardens, and those are two different things. I discovered that I could make those chickens and the garden work together, and not only did that cut my input because I could have the chickens till instead of me tilling uh, that not only would it cut my input it would actually increase my yields because the chickens make it so much more fruitful etc and I said okay we gotta have a career change I really like public speaking and being in front of the camera, odd as it is I'm shy in a one-on-one social setting but uh, I'm, I'm bold on stage or in the camera,
1: I know it's strange Justin had produced films before. Remember, when he was a pro mountain boarder, a lot of his time was spent producing mountain boarding movies. He thought maybe he could take the same concept and bring it to the world of permaculture. He started making films and then he started growing that audience with daily videos on YouTube. He needed a business that could fit his lifestyle. Lifestyle business is a buzzword right now that you hear on different blogs, and YouTube channels, and pretty much anyone making money on the internet. Lifestyle business. And when we hear it, we think of someone living life on their own terms, at their own pace. And it seems like something that's very glamorous. Uh, But for Justin, it came out of a need uh, to be able to make a living for his family while fighting Lyme's disease. John and Julianne experienced something very similar. And they too needed to find a lifestyle business that could work for them.
3: We, we decided to use a credit card for the first time in our marriage ever. We'd never gone into debt besides like we bought a car and then we paid it off as fast as we could. We never owned a credit card and we decided we need a wood stove because we, we can't have our potatoes sprouting and we can't go through 10 quart of wood a winter. And if we were on our electrical heaters, it would have cost us $500 a month for heating our house.
1: The slippery slope of using credit cards. I'm sure we've all been there. We need something, uh, something that's gonna help us, something that's gonna make our life easier, uh, something that's gonna keep all our crops from sprouting in the basement. And so we decide to use the credit card. It reminds me of the story of the frog and the scorpion. Have you heard that one? So there's a frog and he's standing next to a river and a scorpion walks up and says, hey, I need to get across this river. Won't you take me on your back and swim me across? And the frog says, no, you're just gonna poison me. You're gonna stab me with that stinger and I'm gonna die. The scorpion says, no, no, I'm not gonna do that. Why would I do that? That would kill you and that would kill me. We'd both wind up sinking to the bottom of the river. And so the frog says, Oh, that's a good point, I guess. All right, hop on my back. And the frog starts swimming across the river like he's always done. And there's the scorpion resting on his back. And then, bam! He stings the frog. And the frog goes, as he's slowly being taken over by the paralysis that the poison is causing, Why would you do that? Now we're both going to die. And the scorpion says... Because I'm a scorpion, that's what I do. I sting. Now, where's the metaphor here? It's a little tricky, so bear with me here. Uh, But essentially, we're like that frog. We knowingly take something dangerous right onto our backs, put ourselves in a precarious situation, and then we get stung. If we have problems with money, then we shouldn't be using credit cards because the minute we get behind, it's gonna compound worse and worse and worse. And that's what the credit card companies, that's how they make their money, having people get behind. They don't make money off of the people who pay on time and stay ahead. They are counting on stinging us. And yet, we bring them right onto our back to try to help us in situations where we need the help. I know, it's not a perfect metaphor. But it gets the point across. And I don't think that John or Julianne are alone in this. I've been there, and I'm sure most of you listening have been too. Taking on more and more credit card debt can put a serious damage on a family, especially when new problems unforeseen arise.
3: So we put a car and a wood-burning stove and some wood on a credit card.
2: And pretty soon that was maxed out.
3: But his income didn't increase so I started babysitting but he came home so cranky like the, in oh, his words sick. it was I'm so tired of treading water and getting nowhere and so that was when I started babysitting I was still farming I was babysitting I was getting up at four o'clock in the morning to do chores so I could go babysit we went and did our taxes and it turned out with our taxes we were half of what I had brought in for babysitting actually had to go towards taxes it was Oh my gosh, we ended up paying like $300 in taxes on the $600 I'd made that year.
1: They're in debt. They're not earning any more money. And the little bit of side money that Julianne's able to bring in is just getting taxed away. You can really hear the frustration of the situation in Julianne's voice. I'm gonna play a clip back.
3: Oh my gosh, we ended up paying like $300.
1: That's pure, unadulterated frustration. And she's reliving it years later. That's what money stress does to you.
3: And I'm like, well, what else do you want me to do? I, what else do I do? And so I had looked into the YouTube um, and I had asked him what this could be a solution. I've been watching these people do this. This is how they make their money. They just paid off their house and, and they're totally doing it. I could do this.
1: Julianne thinks she's already spending her time outside working on this farm. If she would share that experience on YouTube, maybe she could gain some traction, make some money from the ads that run on her videos. John wasn't so sure about the idea.
2: And so she came and approached me about it, and I, yeah, I really didn't want to because it. it
3: We're pierce,
2: Yeah, it pierces <laughs> that veil of privacy that, you know, a, a provider is supposed to have, you know, this protection around his family, and it, that seemed to go right to the heart of that and undermine it from the get-go.
3: But I was helpless. I and, felt and so helpless. And so
2: I was really not... I was very much not wanting to do the YouTube and to put ourselves out there to the world. And...
3: And I would not let it go. I said, okay, I won't show my face. I won't say who I am. Right. I won't say my name. I won't show my... And so I said, okay, I can make... I can do this. If This is how I make money for my family. So I started doing a daily video and they were crappy, but it was talking about things I cared about. I wasn't in front of the camera. I didn't turn it around and look at my face. I just showed what I was talking about, but I got better.
1: At this point, both of our families have pushed through the early years of homesteading. They've made mistakes, but they've kept on going. And now they're at a point where they're documenting this journey and making an income from that. It seems like they've got it made, and yet both of our families are going to decide to pack it all up and leave, just like we have. Why? You'll find out when we come back after a quick word from our sponsors. So time passes for both of our families. They're growing their farms and they're growing their businesses to the point where both families start doing more than they've ever done before. I know what this feels like. That's what me and Kendra talked about in our last episode. Things can get a little crazy.
4: I would say it maxed out last year because at that point we have about five species of birds. We had chickens, guinea, ducks, a goose, and then we had cow, we had family cows, so we would we would harvest their own milk, and those, that family cow though was like a dual purpose chicken in the sense that this was a dual purpose cow and that you, they're good for meat too. We had all the birds, and we had all the veggies, and then just this last summer, I challenged myself to see how much I could grow in a hundred days.
1: For a hundred days, Justin and Rebecca focused on feeding their family only what they grew. They were working with chickens, they were working in the garden, they had the cows. Things were growing and growing on their homestead. But something else was growing the entire time. The desire to travel, like they once had, was also growing, quietly, on the sidelines.
4: We always loved travel. And, you know, because you saw what we did in the mountain board days, but when we had children and then when you have a farm, you, 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 you bring it all to a halting screech and stop. It was very, very limited.
1: Back in the mountain boarding days, Justin and Rebecca were traveling for the national tour. They would go all over the U.S. together. Now, as homesteaders, they had to stay put. If they went on any vacations throughout the year, it was probably only one of them going because somebody had to stay home and take care of the animals. That's one of the harsh realities of homesteading. If you have a bunch of animals and a bunch of plants that need care, it's hard to go on vacation.
4: You can't just get somebody to come and cow sit as easy as you can for your chickens. So we did very little traveling, but that never, that bug never went away. Each of us at different times would say something like, hey, maybe we should do, I got a crazy idea. <laughs> let's uh, let's let's just travel. Let's let's convert. Let's get an old school bus or something, and just and just go. And then we would always go back to, oh, you know, what about you know, what about our cows? What are we going to do with them? Because you know they were hard to come by, so we had to go all the way to New Hampshire for them because that breed is rare.
1: Justin and Rebecca were going back and forth. They'd worked so hard to get where they were at, and yet they wanted to take their kids and do some traveling like they had earlier on in their life together. Should they stay put because of all the hard work they've invested or should they go for this new experience? It was a tough decision. For John and Julianne, hitting the road was less of a decision that they had to make. It was more of a decision that was made for them
2: on Friday December 11th 2015 at 7
3: 12 a.m. He coughed.
2: I coughed. In the shower getting ready for a Friday at work during Christmas, you know, season. And But, but
3: it had been bad that for years. That
2: cough was enough to blow out at least one disc in my lower back. And by the end of the whole saga there were three that were gone and uh, uh the bottom one had pinched off the sciatic nerve. So, so, my, walk. so my right leg still has like some numbness and paralysis with it. It's, you know.
1: Remember, John works for FedEx. He makes deliveries for a living. Having a back issue is not good. But at first he wasn't worried.
2: A great relief because I didn't have to work for Christmas this, you know, this particular year. So I'm thinking, hey, this is sweet and then I'll get back to it in the spring and life will be great. Well, it didn't turn out that way.
1: At first, John thinks, hey, this is nice. I'll get a break from the busy holiday season. And then when my back feels better, I'll get back to work. But it never felt better. And that meant now he didn't have a reliable source of income. How are they going to pay for the house?
2: That was the big part of it was, okay, now I don't have a steady paycheck. I can't keep this mortgage.
1: What does a homesteader do when they realize that they're probably not going to be able to afford living? On their homestead well for john he started thinking of new creative ideas how could he and his family have a home that they could afford from their youtube income enter van life
2: rv life i guess i think van life was what initially came up there's a hashtag about it all over facebook and I'm like, oh well, this kind of seems really, you know, this is great. I'm really tired of this house, and it looks like we probably won't be able to make a mortgage payment anyway. Let me let me look into selling the place, and maybe we'll go on the
1: road. This is, I think, at the core why this tiny house movement has become such a big thing in the last couple of years. More and more families are realizing the cost of owning a home the traditional way, and they think to themselves. I don't need that much house. I want to enjoy my life. I want to have amazing experiences with my family. And if a big old house is going to hold me back from that, well, I don't need it.
3: And our neighbor, and at the same and time, bizarrely our neighbor.
2: Well, yeah, so. Just bizarre. What happened is I kind of look into our neighbor's backyard and he has this Class C motor that hasn't moved since we've been there. And he needed a pickup truck. Well, I've got this old farm truck that's bulletproof. I mean, there's no way to break this thing. And I said, Well, you need this, and what about trading me for that motorhome in back? And our neighbor, being the wonderful, amazing guy, absolutely incredible guy that he is, um, he's like, Well, let me think about it. He comes back two days later. And he's like, You know, so I talked to the wife about the motorhome, and tell you what, go ahead and keep the pickup. And at that point, I'm kind of crushed. You know, that's not going to work. He's like, yeah, go ahead and keep the pickup and try and sell it. And then uh, here's the title of the motorhome. Just go ahead and take it.
1: They get the motorhome. They post their farm for rent on Craigslist. And right away, they find someone interested. Then they hit the road. They're actually on the road now. You can head over to YouTube, check out their channel, Dirt Patch Heaven, and watch some of their videos from the trip. The circumstances in John and Julianne's life forced them to make a change. They figured out how to make the best of it. Justin and Rebecca, they didn't have anything that was pushing them into their change of lifestyle. Give me a line. What am I saying here?
2: Justin and Rebecca didn't have to change their life. Didn't have to make a drastic change to their life.
1: Justin, Justin and Rebecca didn't have to make a drastic change in their life. But an opportunity arose, and they decided it was time for their family to go on an adventure. Our family has decided to go on the road because we want to see new places. Maybe find ourselves greener pastures. And we're never one to turn down a good road trip. So all of us have different reasons for hitting the road. But the real question, the real reason I wanted to interview Justin and Julianne and John, was to find out are any of us doing this because we're quitters. I told them all about the reaction our big announcement got when we told everyone our plans. I asked them what was their opinion on all those people who said we were quitters or giving up? Did they feel like quitters? A lot of the comments were like, Justin, Dirt Patch, and now you guys. And the negative <laughs> ones were like, can't anybody actually keep the farm? But I wanted to ask you, do you guys, and I think I know the answer, but do you guys feel like you're qu- like quitting or you couldn't hack it? Why? What is the motivation behind this?
4: Oh no, it's definitely not. Couldn't hack it. For us, I don't know what everybody else's motivation is, but for, for us, it's to, it's, it's to learn more and get the travel bug out and to give to the audience before we settle down.
3: I have no intention of not homesteading. I still believe that it is the way you make your difference in the world is by growing your own food not necessarily everybody else's food but growing your own food is the way that you you it's way you vote it's you know it's the only thing you can really do to change what's happening and to protect your family's food sources and and to be part of the community those that's my opinion
4: and we try to emphasize strongly that we're still part of the movement we're not going around to Disney World and Disneyland back and forth uh, on a one-year vacation we're actually going around to learn from other farmers uh, you know we want to do pigs and bees one day and guard dogs and stuff like that so we need to go and learn about that kind of thing these are the kinds of things i wish i would have done instead of go to college so that's what it's about you might have come into an unlucky i mean you, you might have been a little unlucky in the third or something i, know, I think so maybe it, all, maybe, it all, <laughs> maybe it all happened at the same time maybe.
1: Justin and Rebecca, John and Julianne, and Kay and myself, none of us are done homesteading. We all love homesteading. It's something that we all feel very passionate about. All of us want to take some time to hit the road, to see other homesteads, to learn from them, and maybe to find ourselves a better place to settle down for our next What does that mean for you? Is this your certain fate? If you're interested in homesteading, does that mean eventually you'll find one, you'll buy one, you'll start a homestead, you'll grow, you'll grow, and then you'll get to this point where you want to hit the road too? Remember back to Charles Ingalls, a man who lived in the 1800s where homesteading was actual survival. And even he, having a well-established homestead that his family was doing perfectly fine on, decided to pack up and head west for greener pastures. Is the personality of the homesteader someone who wants to do it themselves? Is that someone who's destined to continue moving forward to different places, to new adventures? Is that what's in the future for you? I had to ask one last question. What is it about the homesteader that makes us, why are all three of us hitting the road?
4: Homesteaders, they tend to be more inclined to adventure. We're also going to have a high chance of doing something crazy, doing something that the rest of the world is not going to do. And because because we we are adventuresome enough to grow our own food, a shame to say that you have to be adventuresome nowadays to grow your own food. Um, We're also going to be adventuresome to travel. If you look at the heart of why a homesteader is doing what they're doing, you're saying, oh, I got into it because it's cheap, or, and now we're doing it because it's healthy, or whatever. But if you keep on asking why, like why, why do you do it because it's cheap? Why do you want to save money? Why do you want to live healthy? The ultimate reason is that we want to live free.
1: John and Julianne have begun their adventure already. They're on the road now. Justin and Rebecca are just a few months behind them, and we'll be hitting the road shortly thereafter. All of us following the tracks of those wagon wheels made 200 years ago. Some going for adventure some because it seemed like they had no other choice. Many looking for the best place they could find to raise their family. After a long journey, they finally arrived. The book describes it like this. There was only the enormous, empty prairie with grasses blowing in waves of light and shadows across it, and the great blue sky above it and the birds flying up from it and singing with joy because the sun was rising. And on the whole enormous prairie, there was no sign that any other human being had ever been there. He begins to unpack for a hunt for the day. Ma gets ready to set up camp. He says to her, take your time, Caroline. We won't move the wagon till we want to. We've got all the time there is. A Very special thanks to John and Julianne for the time they spent in this interview. It was hard for them to find internet on the road, but they made it work. And also very special thanks to Justin for taking the time to talk with us. He and his wife are busy remodeling the school bus that they'll be taking cross country. If you want to follow these two other homestead families on the road, you can find them at their YouTube channels, Dirt Patch Heaven and Justin Rhodes. I know you're thinking we haven't answered the big question yet. What is going to happen to Homesteady? I promised you no cliffhangers. Here we go. The Homesteady podcast is going to stay the same. You'll still get it just about every month like we usually do. You'll hardly even be able to tell that we're on a road trip. If you want to follow along on our adventure, surely we'll share videos on the YouTube channel and keep you updated. And you'll still be able to see lots of good homesteading videos on the YouTube channel. Many of you have invited us to come and stay at your homesteads, and that is awesome. We're really excited about the chance to come and meet some of you. We don't have our route set up yet, but we will have a form available on the website. So if you head over to thisishomesteady.com, click on this episode, you'll see a link to the form. Let us know where you live. Let us know a little bit about you. There'll be lots of questions. Answer them. And if we're on, if you're on our route, maybe we'll be able to stop in and uh, see you and maybe even feature you in one of our episodes. The Pioneer Program. The Pioneer Program will continue. It is the best way to support the show. And in turn, for supporting the show that you love, you get access to bonus episodes of the podcast and bonus videos and bonus classes. So we already have teamed up with other experts. There's already four master classes available for you to watch: homestead chickens, organic orchards, organic vegetables, and a beginner class on using electric netting for pasturing animals. You can gain access to all these master classes by becoming a pioneer. The day you become a pioneer, you gain access to everything in the library. It's only five bucks a month. Year long memberships are fifty bucks, but we're going to have a special sale this month. Uh, We're going to cut that down to forty bucks for an entire year. That means you're paying three dollars and thirty cents a month to gain access to all the bonus Pioneer content. If you want to have an awesome homestead, if you want to learn more about homesteading, uh, become a Pioneer. There's a ton of awesome resources in that library, and you're helping to support the show that you love, and you're helping us to continue producing this show. Uh, So we thank you guys so much for your support. We thank you for listening to the show, being part of this journey, and we look forward to hitting the road and having you join us for
0: that adventure.
1: So until next year, the next episode will come out next year, the road is rocky, make home steady.